Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 29 of the Australian Hiker Podcast. Today's episode is titled Water and Hiking. How much should you carry and how should you carry it? On today's episode, we're going to look at the volumes of water that you should be carrying on different types of hikes and different times of the year, as well as the options for carrying water. In two weeks' time, in our next regular podcast, we're going to be discussing the second part of this episode, which is filtering water, and we'll look at the options for that. We hope you enjoy. When hikers get together, one of the most common topics of of discussion tends to be around gear and what they're carrying. And you'll often get very passionate arguments about things that are being carried in the packs and what what the best thingamajig is. But something that you can certainly guarantee that is in every hiker's pack is water. Water is essential to our well-being, and without it we can't survive. How long you can live without water is not a straightforward question, and while quite often a figure that's quoted uh, as being approximately three days uh, as the the maximum time you can do without water, um, this is going to really depend on a number of factors. Believe it or not, it's also possible to die from drinking too much water on a hike. It does happen. So as hikers, we should carry adequate water on every hike, but how much water is enough, and how should we carry it? How much water should you carry is actually a huge question, and the short answer is that it depends. Um, The answer to the question is really uh, along the lines of how long is a piece of string. Um, There are many factors that influence the amount of water that you will need, um, and we'll talk about some of those factors now. One of the factors is how long is the hike? Uh, Is it a short half-day hike or is it a longer multi-day hike? Um, How far to the next guaranteed water source? How hot is the weather? Are you just drinking the water or will you also need to be using water for cooking as well? How hard are you going to be exerting yourself? How exposed to the elements are you? These are really important questions and, you know, uh, sometimes we don't think too much about these individually, but certainly if you do and you then add them together, you start to get a bit of a sense of the importance of the water and the importance of getting your water loading right. While I'm in the process of trying to lighten my load and become an ultralight hiker, water is one of the things that I don't tend to skimp on. I hike year-round, uh, and for me, that's the equivalent of three-season hiking. It's really not, uh, it doesn't tend to be snow hiking. Uh, and during the hottest parts of the year in midsummer, the temperatures can be approaching 40 degrees Celsius uh, at, at its peak. And that's the equivalent of about 100 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's crucial that I carry enough water to prevent heat exhaustion or heat stroke. 
on short hikes, uh, and this when we're talking about shorter hikes, we're talking about say three to four kilometers in length. I tend to drink very little water, and and that's really at any time of the year. Um, so winter time, I'll often uh, load up with water. I have some water before I leave the house uh, or before I start the walk. Um, I may, um, if it's a, uh, a it's accessible, I might have a drink part way through. But otherwise, I'll tend to wait when I until I've gotten back to the car or back home again. During the hotter time of the year, even on the short hikes, I'll carry at least about half a litre of water just to cover cover myself. And these are on hikes when I'm guaranteed that I'm not going to be getting lost or not going to be having any issues. I know where the start point is, where the end point of the hike is, and I know that I'm not going to have an issue with returning at an appropriate time. On longer hikes... Uh, and by this I mean hiking some t- somewhere between either 6 to 15 hours in a, in a single day uh, and potentially travelling up to 40 or 50 kilometres, or doing multi-day hikes. Now a good example here is a three-day hike I did earlier uh, this year on the Canberra Centenary Trail. It was midsummer. The uh, maximum temperatures that we uh, I achieved over those three-day period uh, were in their mid to high 30s, uh, around about 37 degrees at its peak. And during the biggest day of the hike, where I travelled a little bit over 58 kilometres over a 13-hour period, I drank 7 litres of water. Now, this is an extreme example. Most people don't tend to do this type of hikes. But certainly for me, I know for that sort of distance, that sort of length of time over those hot periods, I'm going to need to be drinking at least that much water. And it may be a matter of, do I need to carry it all in one go? Or can I somehow get water as I go? Now, based on the hi- on this hike, I know that in midsummer I need around about 600 mils of water per hour as a guide. Given that one liter of water weighs one kilogram, you don't want to be carrying too much weight unless there is no other option. So, to minimise your water carry, there are some things that you might want to consider. The first one is planning your hike. Know what your water consumption requirements are likely to be based on the environmental conditions and your likely usage. Know how much water you are likely to need overall for the day. Know where the reliable refill points are. And do you need a filter? Now, as we mentioned at the start of this episode, in our next regular episode in two weeks' time, we are going to discuss... Uh, water filtration in more detail and that's an episode we can we can really spend the whole episode just discussing water filtration but when we're talking about reliable water sources most of the areas um, certainly in the western world the water is pretty reliable but if you're walking through rural areas uh, farm areas where there's a lot of cows or sheep a lot of wildlife uh, they don't tend to be very picky about where they go to the toilet and you'll often find that um uh, cow pies, for want of a polite term, will often tend to be surrounding dams. And the, this sort of uh, uh, cow excrement can actually end up in your uh, water supply. So filtration may become necessary. In very hot conditions, think about hiking early and hiking late in the day and resting during the middle of the day. I work out your options in case you run out of water. The next thing to think about is about drinking regularly. Load up at the start of the day. 
drink at least half a litre before you leave camp. Uh, there are some uh, hiking groups that you go with um, and some um, adventure tours that you can do, particularly in Australia, and they will make you drink a litre of water before you leave camp. Uh, that's a big effort for anyone, but be prepared for that. You can drink up big at each water source, fill up at every available water source, and drink at the end of the day when you've finished your hiking. Now, Jill just mentioned filling up at every available water source. Just referring back to the uh, the Centenary Trail hike I did earlier, earlier this year, I, um, I knew where the water sources were. Uh, I'd gone through and carry, was carrying plenty of water, uh, but I actually ended up misjudging. I should have actually filled up when I uh, and I didn't, and I got to a stage where I'd actually run out of water. Uh, now I was you now I was never very far away from water if I needed to go and get it, but it it meant going off the trail. So I I kept on going uh, until I found a, an adequate water source. Uh, so had I filled up when I had the opportunity on the trail, it would have made things a bit easier for me. The next thing you need to think about is monitoring your water consumption. Monitor your water use and make sure you and your group members are drinking. This is really important. Sometimes you think people are using their water uh, only to find that when you get to the next water source, they say, oh, no, I don't need to fill up on my my water. Um, That's a big indicator that they're probably not drinking as much as they should. You can use urine colour as a guide. This is not perfect, um, but if your urine colour is dark, then it's likely that you'll need to drink more. And certainly this can be impacted on the type of diet you're, uh, you're, uh, you're, you're on. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you're drinking a lot of um, uh, uh, sports drinks or dark sports colour drinks, uh, that can in- impact on the urine colour as well. But certainly you, you'll, you'll be aware on a day-to-day sort of state uh, what your normal urine colour is and if you, you haven't been drinking for a while it'll get darker and, it, and being on the trail is no different. And a really obvious indicator that you may be uh, drinking too little um, is if you start to develop a headache. Um, probably a little bit too late then um, but certainly think about that and think about how you're feeling along the way and if in doubt Uh, fill up on a bit more water. So now that you've got some idea of how much water you may need to carry having gone through um, your own consideration of of those key questions the next thing you need to consider is how you'll carry the water. So there aren't really that many different water carrying options. Uh, there might be a number of different manufacturers and a number of different models or styles with each and the, within each of the different types, but really we have a fairly uh, limited capacity in physically carrying water. We have an object that, that takes up a certain amount of space, in this case fluid or water, uh, and we need something to go through and put it in. The most common form of water carrying device on the market uh, is rigid water bottles, uh, made of some sort of plastic usually, but can also be made of metal. Uh, these water bottles have the advantage, uh, and particularly in a case of plastic, that plastic bottle bottles are usually transparent, so it's easy to gauge the water use. They're relatively inexpensive, they're reasonably robust, 
although I have managed to, broke, to break one of these uh, without meaning to. The wide mouth versions are easy to fill up, uh, but the narrow mouth versions are easy to drink from. Disadvantages of water bottles, uh, the more, uh, the, it takes more of a conscious effort required to get a drink. And for me, this is one of the reasons that I don't tend to use water bottles on the trail. Uh, I tend to be drinking probably every five to ten minutes, just small sips. Um, and if I, if I have to do that with a water bottle, it means that you, you sort of consciously reach back, pull the bottle out of your uh, holder, uh, and with a lot of packs these days, uh, if you have a bit of practice, you can do this while you're still, still walking. Um, have your drink, close the bottle back up again, and put it back into the pack. And I just find that a just bit, too, bit too cumbersome and a bit too annoying. So I tend to use a different option. Other disadvantages, uh, they uh, tend to be heavier than other options. And again, it's not a huge weight we're talking about, but in comparison to the other, op other options, they are heavier. Most bottles are smaller in size, up to one litre. Um, so if you need large amounts of water, then you need to carry a number of bottles. There are now bottles on the market that are one and a half litres in capacity. So if you're carrying two of those, uh, it means that you are carrying a reasonable amount of water. And the thing with carrying water bottles, you can't really just carry one uh, in the, um, the, the bottle holder on the side of the pack. If you do, you tend to be a bit lopsided. So you tend to work with two, which means you drink from one side to the other to keep the water balanced. Uh, but, you know, this is really a personal choice. Wide mouth bottles take a bit of a skill to learn to drink from. I mean, if you tip the bottle up too, care, uh, too quickly, you can end up pouring water all over yourself and wasting it. And narrow mouth bottles, while they're easy to drink from, are more difficult to fill up from. So my preference is actually um, a, a rigid water bottle. Uh, it means I can get as much water um, as I need, perhaps less frequently but in larger amounts. That seems to work best for me. Um, but as Tim says, it is a bit awkward that you have to, you know, put them back into your side pockets. I haven't quite worked out um, how to do that totally by myself, um, reaching back and sliding them in. Sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I just drop the bottle and Tim has to come and pick the bottle up and put it in the, the pocket. Um, for me, I tend to use the rigid bottles on shorter hikes uh, rather than the longer hikes um, but again it's uh, a preference and um, if I could work out a good system of using the bottles on a longer hike I'd probably opt for that as well. So the next option is soft or collapsible water bottles and these are becoming more common on the trail these days. Three to four years ago they were pretty rare now they're becoming much more common. The advantages of the, uh, the soft water bottles is they're very lightweight. Uh, but again, when we're talking about a water-carrying uh, container of some sort, we're not talking huge weights here. They collapse to almost nothing when not being used, so you might use three or four of these on a really hot day. And if it's a cooler day, you might have a couple of them rolled up and put in your pack. Uh, they won't take up much space, and just you might be using one bottle. And the flexibility of these bottles means you have more options for storage. They are a fixed size and shape, uh, and they can be fitted in around other material within your pack. 
The disadvantages are they're not as durable as hard water bottles. They can be difficult to clean because quite often with the small water bottles, they usually tend to have fairly small capacity uh, um, nozzles or, or uh, uh, fill points on them. And they're usually small in size. The majority of the soft water bottles on the market these days tend to be half to about one litre in size. So this means you're going to have to carry a number of them, particularly if you leave large quantities of water for multi-day trips. And as I said earlier on with the example I used, if I had to carry seven litres of water uh, on a hike, I don't really want to carry seven single individual bottles, either of a hard water bottle or of the, uh, the flexible water bottles. The next type of uh, water carrying device is the hydration bladders. These are large size flexible bladders that can either fit into a dedicated pocket, which most packs tend to have these days, or at least the larger size packs. Um, or they can be also carried in the, uh, the side pockets, uh, depending on the size and shape of them, if they're one of the, some of the smaller size bladders. The advantages with the water bladders is you're able to carry large amounts of water. Now, typically the size range for the hydration bladders range between about one and a half to three litres. They're very easy to access, so you're more likely to have a drink. And this is the type of uh, water carrying device that I use. I've always had a preference for the bladders. I just find that um, I've got the, uh, the, the access nozzle um, on the front of my pack. Uh, I use an Osprey uh, uh, water bladder, which has, comes with a little magnetic clip. Clips on the front of the, uh, the chest strap. It's very easy to pick it up, put it in your mouth, have a sip, uh, click it back onto the chest again without thinking too much about it. So as I said, I tend to drink very small amounts of water fairly regularly rather than stopping and having larger quantities of water as I go. Uh, so it means that um, I'm not having to stop all the time. I'm not having to drink big quantities of water. So usually the, the bladders tend to have a good size opening for refilling. Now there also are some disadvantages for the bladder. So depending on how the bladders fit into your pack, you may have to unpack much of your pack when you need to refill the bladder. Some of the newer packs on the market, the Offsprays are a good example here, have an external pocket for carrying the water bladder, which means you don't have to unpack your pack to put your bladder in and out. I use a, uh, an Osprey Exos pack, uh, which still has an internal uh, water bladder pocket. Uh, and to get a bladder out is actually relatively easy when it's empty. But to try and fit it back in again when it's full, I really need to unpack the whole pack, put the bladder back in again. Now, in the middle of summer, that might mean that I have to do it once during the middle of the day. Uh, but certainly, and certainly on colder days, when I'm, I might only be drinking three litres of water for the entire day, It'll, it'll last me for the entire day. They um, are harder to keep clean uh, and they may require a special cleaning kit in some cases to get right into the edges of the bladders. And some closure mechanisms can be difficult to get a good seal on. And again, I'll refer back to the Osprey uh, uh, water bladders. The previous model, which is the one I'm currently using, uh, has a large uh, circular lid on it uh, makes it very easy to get water into, but if you don't get it quite right when you seal it, you'll end up pouring water all through your pack and losing the water supply. So again, going back to the, water, the Lara Pinta Trail last year, we were both using these bladders. I was walking behind Jill thinking, why is there water on the trail? Uh, <laughs> why am I dribbling <laughs> along the way? 
just as the uh, the actual large cap on this hadn't been sealed properly, and it really is if you've got smaller hands, it was difficult to do. Now with the 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 current model of these bladders, they've updated the opening and closing mechanism. It's much better, uh, but certainly on the older style, it was a bit of an issue. Now the last type is uh, the soft water reservoir. These large capacity water reservoirs are virtually uh, virtually the best way to describe them is they're a large flexible uh, water bottle, and they tend to have capacities anywhere up to about 10 litres. Certainly, I don't think I'd want to be carrying 10 litres unless I really had to. Uh, we do use water reservoirs. Uh, so again, going back to our Lara Pinta Trail example, we had um, uh, an example, we had a, a couple of, uh, of the, uh, the days through the trip where we had to carry water uh, because there was no water source at the end of, the, of one particular day. Um, and it's really good here. One of the sites known as Birthday Waterhole, there is no water. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, um, well, certainly not when we were there. So, yeah, it's um, just, just because a, 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 a site happens to be named after water uh, or says it has water in its name doesn't necessarily mean there is water there. So you do need to go through and check and plan. And the bladders do give you that capacity to be able to carry water for the next day. So on the Lara Pinta Trail, um, we were all packed up ready to go for an early start on a really hot day and we were trying to get away uh, quietly uh, while it was still dark and uh, other other hikers hadn't surfaced yet and uh, packed up the tent and uh, I have to confess, put my hand up here, that I put the tent pegs away in my pack and... Uh, put a nice neat hole in one of the water bladders, one of the water reservoirs. And uh, we had this mad panic in the dark trying to uh, stop the flow of water. So, you know, um, they're reasonably durable, but certainly couldn't withstand a a tent peg. And uh, then we had to do a bit of a calculation to work out whether or not we needed to go to plan B. Uh, and whether we in fact did have enough water to carry for the next night um, as well as the following day. And on that instance through there, between um, the, 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 the first day and the second day, we had a 32-kilometre distance to cover, so we needed to have enough water uh, in, on what was a fairly hot uh, couple of days. Um, so it was really a bit of a patch job with some duct tape. <laughs> duct tape is pretty wonderful uh, to, to seal the hole up. Uh, we didn't quite manage to be able to fill the, fill the bladder up to its full capacity again, but we did manage to keep um, sort of about two and a half litres in there rather than the full four, which was just enough to get us through those two days. The disadva- other disadvantages of the water reservoirs uh, is they're expensive compared to other options. But when you think about it, if you're spending $100 on a water bladder, uh, which you can do on some of the 10-litre versions, you're talking about carrying 10 litres of water. Um, I mean, a 3-litre uh, uh, hydration bladder can cost you sort of $40, $50, $60. So per litre, the large hydration uh, reservoirs are quite good value. They tend to be heavier but this is more an issue of the water you're carrying rather than the container. So if you're carrying a 10-litre water bladder, you're carrying 10 kilos extra. That's a lot of water. That's a lot of water. 
Uh, and really, the only reason you'd be likely to do that is if you're traveling through desert conditions, you know there is no reliable water source through there and you have no other option. It's better if you can uh, to either not do that to cache water, to go ahead and, and plant water for you to pick up as you go through. Uh, but sometimes there may be no, no other option. Or if you're carrying this for a group, so in this instance on the Larapinta Trail, I was actually ending up carrying the extra four litre bladder, so the extra four kilos. So I managed to offload some of the smaller bits and pieces onto Jill just to balance the weight out a bit more. So it is a bit easier when you're traveling as a, as, as a couple. All right, so essentially what it comes down to is everyone is going to carry water in a slightly different way. Everyone's going to have preferences on that, whether they like water bottles or hydration bladders. And I'll be honest, most people tend to have a preference for carrying water bottles. Uh, using water reservoirs on the trail or water, water bladders on the trail, hydration bladders, isn't as common as water bottles. Uh, and this is, this is not through any particular science or any survey that we've done in this case, but it's just through looking at what people are doing and how they're actually going through and hiking. So as I said, on the Larapinta Trail, there were uh, Jill and myself uh, and three other hikers that we were sort of piggybacking with as we were going through. One was using water bladders, the other two were using water bottles. So there was sort of a, a bit of a mix about what people were going through and using. Uh, and again, the issue with things like water bottles, a bit harder to put holes in those with tent pegs. So the main thing to remember is do your planning to carry the minimum amount of water you need to without putting yourself at risk. Uh, as I said, there have been situations where people have drunk too much water uh, and ended up dying from excess water uh, because you end up going through and thinning out your blood uh, and causing a lot of problems. Not so common. It doesn't tend to happen in recreational hiking. Um, but certainly an example I can think of was in the Kokoda Track a few years ago where someone, an Australian tourist, did actually drive from drinking too much water. So it's not very common, not something people tend to think of. Really what it comes down to here is carry less water, but not drink less. That's all for today's episode. In two weeks' time, we'll be doing the second part of our Water on the Trail series, uh, and that's to do with water filtration. And there are quite a few different options for how to filter your water, uh, and all of them tend to be seen and used on the trail. So we'll go a bit more in-depth into the options about how people, people filter water on the trail. As always, this episode is available to download from iTunes or Stitcher, it can be downloaded through our website or through SoundCloud. Uh, and if you have an opportunity, please go through and rate us on iTunes to make, make it easier for people to find our podcast. We hope you've enjoyed. That's all for now. Bye from me. And bye from me.